millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. A very special edition of the Square Ball Podcast. Dan with you, along with Michael Normanson and a guest at well, somewhere over the Atlantic, Jeff Reinbold. Hello, Jeff. How are you guys doing? Happy Aloha Friday, by the way. So are you in Hawaii now or Canada? Which which one? No, I'm in I'm in my office in Hawaii and uh we're just about to get our day started. It's six fifteen in the morning here. Oh, bright and early, Brian. So we're just finishing our Friday. So we'll get right to it then. Um, you, For anybody who doesn't know who you are, you are a Sky NFL presenter and uh, you've been doing a lot of um, American football coaching as well. But most of all, Leeds United fan. <laughs> yes, I am. I've been, I've been a fan of the Whites since I first came to the UK in 1995. I, you know, as you always do, you get off the plane and go to the hotel and you're tired and you're jet lagged. So you turn on the TV and just going through the TV, and I saw a soccer game. And at that time, fellas, and I don't know much more now, but at that time I didn't know if a soccer ball had air or feathers in it. I couldn't say anything. I knew if, if the thing went in the net, that was good. But I'm watching this game, and this team has these beautiful white uniforms, right? I mean, all white, white long sleeve, white shorts, white socks. And I thought, man, that what a pretty uniform, because I'm a uniform fan, right? And so that day – they became my team after I'm watching this game going back and forth like a soccer game does. And then all of a sudden, a player from Leeds comes over and just <laughs> tackles the guy and knocks him down, kicks him. And the, uh, the announcer goes, oh, dick, he leads. And I went, my team. Can you remember which game it was, which match? I, I, could, I couldn't tell you. But it was a premiership match because back in those days, you know, they were pretty good in the premiership. And then then again, we had the challenge with you know everything that's gone on at the club since that time but now we're kind of trying to climb back in so yeah we should get, uh, the, get the plug out of the way by the way because uh, you're gonna you could be over this side of the pond um for the nfl that's coming to the tottenham hotspur stadium on sunday isn't it the um the vikings minnesota vikings against new orleans saints and uh are you gonna be summarizing in the sky studio no i won't be because i'm involved with university of hawaii football team right now and i won't be at sky till after we're done with this season so i i, I still stay in stay up with it we do a podcast every week on sky and, and some television work for them as we go through the season but i know there's a tremendous amount of anticipation in london to for for these games and uh, the appetite for football in the uk is like it's you know it's never been before it's interesting because 
you know, when we had NFL Europe going, we lost the team in London. We lost the team in Scotland. You know, they had to fold. The league folded. But Alistair Kirkwood, who was the president of the NFL UK office at that time, really put his career on the line and convinced people in New York that a regular season game in London could sell. And I'll be honest with you, you could hear the laughter from the New York office all the way in London when the idea was first proposed. But now you look, three games, games in Germany, games in Mexico, the the National Football League has truly become a global game. I guess it kind of mirrors the fortunes of the of the Premier League to a certain extent. And if we can, we'll we'll just rewind to 1995 when you you first got on board with Leeds United. It's the uniforms, the strips that that's attracted you, the, the dirty Leeds thing. So, tell us what it was like then in the mid 90s, trying to keep in touch with what what Leeds United were doing. Well, you couldn't really, and I mean, it's, it's, you know, because I I live in Hawaii part of the time, and I come to England part of the time. So when I was home in Hawaii. Premiership, at that time, Premiership News was like, you couldn't get it. And this is, you know, internet was just kind of coming on the scene. And and so now it's incredible how much Premiership is available to soccer fans around the world, certainly in the United States. And and so now I can, you know, I can keep up with them. Uh, ESPN does a great job of covering the Premiership. In, in uh, Canada, where I was coaching in the Canadian Football League, they're professionally TSN, which is Sky Sports or ESPN in Canada, had a premiership show every week. And so, again, I was able to keep up with my Mighty Whites. Even when they were in the Championship League, I was able to keep up with them. But now we are premiership forever. It's just time, fellas, before we topple Liverpool, you know. (laughs) I think a little way off Liverpool. So so you must have got on board at a time where you, you saw the club grow. Like in the late nineties, we started the European adventures there, all the way into into the Champions League. So, so you must have thought, oh, I've I've chosen a winner here. Well, you know what? At, at that, like I said, when I when I first started to follow the club, they were very good. And then, you know, it, it's been documented. So, so I'm not going to you know give you a history lesson because obviously you guys, it's your sport, it's not my sport. But you know, we got into trouble financially, a lot of mismanagement, things went south, and then the club has fought its way back into the premiership. And, you know, I'm, when we went there, we were doing a NFL tour of England, right? And we went there and it was like, for me, it was like going to the promised land or the wailing wall or one, you know, some Lords or one of those places, because just the history, the feel being in the city. And I went to my first Leeds game actually at Fulham. And I got to sit in the section, in the lead section, <laughs> sing the songs. And we all love leads and, you know, the whole thing and, you know, marching on together. And, and uh, as a matter of fact, on my podcast, I sang March on Together when they came, when they made it to the premiership. It was, I, <laughs> I hope you can't go back and find it because my voice is not very good. But uh, it, I had to do that just because I'm such a great Leeds fan. How did you manage to keep in touch with Leeds United then in like the League One days when things went really south? Well, you know, because I cared about them. And I think if you're a fan, and, and certainly I'm a fan, you care about your club, you're gonna it doesn't matter what league they're playing in, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna follow them. And, you know, certainly now having them in the premiership, it makes it much easier. But, you know, I didn't care whether they were in the champ they could have been in the third league. I didn't care. You know, they're my team. When you were speaking to people over there about 
supporting Leeds in that era, did people know who Leeds were? Because obviously we, it, the Premier League is kind of a, a bit of a relatively new thing over in the, North America. Yeah, you know, I can remember this, this again, kind of an ironic story. I can remember going to Sweden as a 17-year-old exchange student who had never seen soccer before. And my my host brother had been to you had been to London and had watched the Premiership game and he had a ball, he had a soccer ball with all of the Premiership team's names on it. And I can remember Leeds United on that ball, kicking that ball in the backyard of their house in in uh, Turco, Sweden. And little did I know that one day I would be, you know, maybe the biggest Leeds fan in all of the state of Hawaii. <laughs> so that Fulham game, can you remember when that was? Oh boy, that was would have been three years it was before covid right so whatever that was 2019 18 19 somewhere in there <clears throat> so that's your that's your first experience of leeds um that was the first time that i had seen them play live i had been in the stadium previous in leeds but it was just in it like we were doing a uk nfl tour and i asked them to actually ask the van driver to stop and let me get out, and, and I found a way to get into this. Just like a typical fan, you know, I found a way into the stadium, and it was like I stood there and just marveled at it. Now, I have not made the pilgrimage yet to actually sit in the stadium when they play. That one I'm really looking forward to, and I'm going to get that done. I don't have a bucket list guy, fellas, but I'm going to tell you something. That one is going to happen. So, so what was your initial reaction then to being stood in that away end at Fulham with, oh. with the, cause, cause Leeds, Leeds at home is great, but Leeds away is, is something else. It's special. It's got that little secret sauce. Yeah. You know, you're exactly right. I felt like well, I was amongst my people, like, you know, like I, like I was that salmon swimming upstream and I finally found where it belonged. Right. And it was so much fun to be there and have, you know, have your, your kid on and sing the songs and, you know, it, it just was like, and that's such a beautiful, such a beautiful stadium. Right. And you know, it's, it's Craven Cottage is quaint and you're, I was right down on the pitch. And so you could get, you know, you could see the players and you see the coaches and it was fascinating. It was a fantastic experience. How does, how does that compare to like NFL crowds then? Um, uh, when you experience that, because it's a different, it is a different experience, isn't it? Stateside. Yeah, I think so. You know, obviously the traditions in, the premiership or in English soccer, whether it's championship or premiership or whatever are just as strong, maybe stronger in some cases than they are in the United States, because you got to remember national league, national football league is hundred years old. These soccer clubs in England go back generational. It's generational fandom. Now we have that in some places in the United States. So for example, if you're a Steeler fan or you're a bears fan in Chicago or a giants fan in New York, but if you're a, Carolina Panthers fan, you may be passionate, but you have a 30-year history of your team as opposed to a 130-year history of your team. So when you came to Ellen Road, I mean, before we get to that, actually, do you agree that there's a, there's sort of a there's a magic quality about being in any stadium of, of any kind? Do you, you feel it as, as a sports person? You walk in and it just there's just that little air of magic about that experience as well, even empty. No question, no question, and I, and I I'll even take it one step further with this. Whether you're talking about football, NFL football, or English football, or it's it's gladiator sport, right? It really is. And if you've ever been to Rome and walked 
into the Colosseum. And if you the hair on the back of your neck doesn't stand up when you realize that's the genesis, that's the birth of all of it, Ellen Road and, you know, White Hart Lane and, you know, Chase Stadium in New York and, you know, the Rose Bowl in California. Those those buildings are special because of what goes on in there. It's there's something that that strikes a chord in the human condition competition right? Athletic competition all the way back to the Olympic games in Greece. I mean, that's all, that's all our history. That's all the rich, rich traditions of athletic competition. So what did you feel when you, you stepped inside Ellen Road? You've got that feeling of being in the amphitheater of, of the gladiators doing, you know, doing their duels on the, on the pitch as it were. What is it like though? Because we accept, don't we? I think as Leeds fans that Ellen Road is run down it's old, it needs developing. And yet there is a part of you that doesn't ever want to change it ever because it's perfect. No. And I'm with you. I mean, I am, that's exactly how I feel. And when I went in there, I stood on the pitch and I shut my eyes and I could hear the chance. I could hear, I I mean, maybe that, maybe I'm wacky, but, but that's what it was like to me. And there was a phenomenal, phenomenal documentary that was done on the last season at West Ham and closing down that old, beautiful, beautiful park that had been so important to West Ham fans and and generations of West Ham fans. And, you know, obviously, you know, money is that, I mean, we, we got to realize that money drives sport, right? And you need bigger stadiums, you need skyboxes, you need all those things. But I am a big believer in tradition and I'm a big believer in if you can leave things as, as they are, rather than tear it all down and start again, use the infrastructure, leave some of the history, leave some of the tradition. You know, um, I, I just really think that's important. I think it's important for us culturally as much as it is for us as fans. You've got a long history of coaching. Do you think a good coach has to tap into that sort of thing? I think if he's smart, he does. I, I don't think there's any question about it. Each each situation is unique, and if you come into a if you come into a club, whether it's a college football team, a NFL team, or a Premiership team, you better learn the history of that club and the nuances and the traditions and all of those things. Here at Hawaii, we say there's a there's a Native American saying that we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. Right. Well. Here we we've we've kind of changed it a little bit and just say we stand on the shoulders of giants because every player we've had sixty nine players drafted in the NFL since the merger we've had seventeen Super Bowl winners come out of this program well if you don't understand that and you don't know that you don't know your history you don't know then you shortchange the players who are here now and you know the the young players at Leeds or the young players in any club need to know the history of the club. I think that's absolutely important. The c- coaches need to know it. What, what do you think of the of the recent coaches, thinking specifically of, of Bielsa and more recently Jesse Marsh? Bielsa, what, one of the regrets I have of my time in, in the UK is I never had a chance to sit down and speak with him because I had so much respect for the way he coached, right? And, and again, you talk about the Fulham game. You know, he was 
early, I mean, he hadn't been there very long when I went and watched him play and he sat on that bucket and I watched him with his players and I, I and the interaction he had with his players. And there was criticism of him for pushing his players too hard that they wouldn't be able to make it through the long season because they ran too much and they, you know, his practices were too difficult. But I think what he did was change the culture on a football team, on a, on an underachieving club. And he was, I, I think was universally loved by the fans. I think when he got fired, you could sense that. And I was in London working for sky when that happened. And, you know, I, I, I wish I would have had a way to reach out to him. And I understand he doesn't speak very good English or doesn't like speaking in English, but I would have really loved to have an opportunity to sit down and talk coaching with him, talk football with him. I think maybe people stateside won't realise what a monumental achievement it was because obviously three teams go up every year. A lot of teams make it look quite easy. Watford, Norwich, teams like that come up and down all the time. But the way Bielsa was able to drag us from, from nowhere and with the weight of all the history we have, I think was his real achievement that he managed to, he, he was almost, he was the right size for the club, I think was the thing. And it felt like for years we'd, we'd not had anyone big enough to actually take it all on and, and you know, get us up. Well, yeah, and you know, you, you, the thing I think people need to understand is the enormity of a job like that. The enormity of taking on all of that. Not only all the you know, all the technical aspects of it, all the, you know, organizational aspects of it, but all the historical aspects of a club like Leeds. And his personality was big enough, you know, to stand up against it and, and to, you know, embrace it rather than fight against it. It's going to be interesting to see, in my opinion, how Coach Marsh does, right? Now, again, he's an quote, outsider. He's an American come in. He's not exactly Ted Lasso, but I mean, he's, He's an American that's come in to a very, very historic club. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how his tenure goes. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. What about his coaching style? Um, because you could suggest he was a little bit overexposed at the start, did a lot of interviews, a lot of podcasts when the club were, was struggling, and I think it, it put a few people's noses out of joint. Maybe Marsh himself wasn't aware of it. What, what did you make of his start? Because it was difficult. Well, I think it was difficult, and it was following a guy that was very popular. He, even though he had gotten fired, you know, Bielsa took the club to the premiership. And if you remember, guys, what that was like, when they when they finally crashed the party and the way I mean, you guys were there, yeah. the way that fans reacted, the way that the city reacted, the way that Leeds United Nation around the world reacted. Well, he'll always be an iconic figure in on Ellen Road. He has to be. Well, Jesse Marsh has to follow that as an outsider with his own way of doing business. And he was much different publicly than Bielsa was. Bielsa was kind of I wouldn't say uh, private, but, you know, the language was an issue and he was much more traditional in the way he approached the game uh, in terms of interviews and those kinds of things. Marsh comes in with the open American style where, I mean, that's just the way business is done here. And he had to learn. He's had to learn. You're going to bump into some things when you take a head coaching job in any sport. And you're particularly going to bump into things when you follow a legend and you're not quote from the club, mm -hmm. you know, or from the, from the boys club. So what is the open American style that you, you refer to there? Because we've got a lot of people who have seen bits of it in Marsh, but maybe don't understand what it is you're referring to there. What, what do you mean? Well, coaches in America, in, in the United States, you, you, you say, for example, the media in the United States is very different than the media in the UK is. And player access and coach access is much, much different. You know, I, I couldn't understand. I couldn't get my head around when I first came to the UK why I never saw David Beckham interviewed after a game unless it was for like a Sunday magazine or, you know, a, a major in the National Football League and in college football and, and, you know, sport in general in the United States. You don't have a choice about whether you speak to the media or not. You have to be available for the media. So from the time our players, are young, and I'm talking about in high school, because high school sport is very big here, they are used to being in front of the camera. They're used to having questions asked them. As a matter of fact, they expect it, where you know you, you look at the premiership, and if you're not one of the guys that's brought to the media, you don't have to speak to them. You can walk right at, you know, I've seen the tunnel, right, where they walk right to the bus, and the media is kind of there with their, with their microphones, hoping that the guy will stop and talk to him, but he doesn't have to. So it's a much more open scenario with the media. And I think that's one of the reasons why Marsh was like that as he got started. What do you think he needs to do to be a success at Leeds? Well, I can tell you, the first thing is you got to score more goals than the other guys. <laughs> now, that's, that's the first thing. 
I think he's got to, you know, again, you got to continue winning at the professional level in any sport, in any sport comes down first and foremost, you have to have talent. You have to have enough good players. Now you don't have to have the best players, but you have to have enough good players, right? And we've seen teams come in and buy their way towards championships, but we've also seen teams in every sport and I can name the NFL, I can name Major League Baseball, I can name the NBA and, and the Premiership, teams that have spent a lot of money and not won a championship because there's a, there's a, there's a missing piece in there somewhere. And it's usually what, what has come to be known as culture. What goes on in the locker room? Who are your leaders? Luck has some to do with it, and health has a lot to do with it. So it's a, that's a really complex question, but the first and most and it's interesting. I just ta- had an interview with a head, uh, NFL Hall of Fame head coach yesterday. and We were talking about this very topic. And he said the number one factor in winning is talent, player talent, coaching talent, uh, evaluation talent in your personnel department. Throughout your organization, you have to have talented people who are driven to success, who put the success of the club before any personal success. Right now, you're not all, you're not going to get a hundred percent buy-in with that, but you have to have enough that are focused that way and moving in that direction to drag the other ones with them. And what do you think of the Americanization of, of Leeds and, and the wider Premier League as well? I, I you know what, it's, I, I can I have two feelings about it because I'm I got a foot in the UK and I've got a foot in the world, right in Hawaii, and I understand how the Glazers and some of the American owners can be viewed with such disdain because they're outsiders who have bought their way into what is your game. Right. And I think if, if the San Francisco people, the ownership group that has the 49ers, which I know has bought a a great deal of the, you know, leads, I, I would just caution them to be very, very, very careful about, how they treat the traditions of the club, the history of the club, the fans. And you don't want to be, we, we have a term in the United States called carpetbagger, which is after the civil war guys from the North came down and they, you know, they basically fleeced people in the South because they had, they had money. You don't want to be seen as a carpetbagger owner. You don't want to be, you need to be visible. You need to be, you need to be, um, you need to be seen as a part of the organization, not, you know, some rich guy that just kind of sits across the Atlantic and, and you know, like a puppeteer and, and pulls strings or like, you know, uh, who was it? The, the the Roman emperor that fiddled while Rome burned, right? You don't, you don't want to be Nero, right? Yeah, right I mean, yeah. And I think that's really important. I think the, you need to be there. I, one of the things that, one of the things I think is important is, they need to they need to be seen in the community and not just as helicopter owners that fly in and fly out they need a presence they need the they need people on the ground in the stadium in the community in the city that are accessible to the fans cuz why are we fans because we want to be a part of something and any new ownership any new coaching regime any you need to be available to your fan. I think it's absolutely critical. Now, Bill Belichick doesn't think so, and he's had a lot of success. But 
that's his style. And but I think in for long term sustained sustained success, particularly when you're an outsider, you better be sensitive to the traditions and history and you know what's gone on for years. On that, I think the Glazers have done a great job. I have to, say. <laughs> I have to commend their their work at Man United. But over in over in the states, how are the owners of the 49ers perceived? Are they considered to be doing a good job? Yeah, I think I think one of the they're one of the class organizations. You know, they've done you know they've had their rocky times too, but they have they have built a beautiful stadium in Santa Clara, south of San Francisco. Their facility, which I've been into three or four or five times, is absolutely as nice as you could ever hope to have they have been you know you watch like this this is these are the little things that i pay attention to you look at a san francisco giant unit or excuse me a san francisco 49ers uniform from the joe montana days and the san francisco 49er uniform today it's the same uniform it's the tradition they that gold helmet and that red jersey and those gold pants Go back to Kizar Stadium when they played in San Francisco in the seventies, and they were they were horrible. That's still the same kit that they wear today. So I think those kinds of things are really really important. Now they're they're you know big into social media. They're into the you know I mean the world's changed since nineteen seventy. But if you're a if you're a Niner fan, you see that uniform, you know that's my team, and that's important. Do you think they'll be a good fit for Leeds United, assuming they do take majority ownership? I think I think so because I think there's enough similarities between the club. This is the 49ers are a historic football team. I'm talking about one of the oldest teams in in the NFL. They're a team that has been through tough tough times, playing in a bad stadium, underfunded, and they've also been to the top of the mountain where they had consecutive Super Bowl championships and more. You know, they basically ruled. They and the Cowboys ruled the '80s. And, you know, and, and they're on their way back. So I think there's a lot of similarities between the two clubs. They're iconic franchises. They're iconic brands in professional sport. And from a financial perspective, what do you think we can expect? Because there are some differences between the Premier League um, and NFL. NFL, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a salary cap that they have to negotiate. And uh, the 49ers have, have a reputation for being quite good operators within the salary cap. Yeah, I think I think that, you know, it, it, certainly I don't sit in their board meetings. Right. But I, I would say if you look at, at the philosophy of the 49er organization and you extend it and say, OK, if they if they do become majority holders in, in Leeds, I would think that they would, would take that same philosophy towards soccer or towards your football. And they are a class organization. They do things the right way. They do not, you know, they don't worry about what it's going to cost. They worry about getting it done. Now, we in, in the NFL, as you said, there's a salary cap. There's no salary cap in the premiership. So it's a, they'll have to adjust to that world. But again, these are, these are people that are very, very smart, that have been very successful in professional sport. And I, I would think that that's a pretty good indicator of what's to come at Leeds United. So let's say you are on the, the 49ers board, just a little um, flight of fancy now. What, what's the first thing you do then when you get into Ellen Road? If you take majority ownership, where do you start? Well, I think there's a couple things. You know, you, you obviously you look at every aspect of an organization when you go in, every aspect, the on the field product, the off the field product, 
the stadium, all of those things, because it's all part of the experience. It's all part of being a first-class organization. I personally hope they never mess with the stadium other than to improve it. And I think you can keep the infrastructure and you can keep the, the beauty of it without and improve it without tearing it down and starting over and make a, you know, an antiseptic news. I mean, new stadiums are beautiful. The thing they got at Tottenham, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, but it's very antiseptic to me. I, I have no, I don't go in there and I feel history. When you go to Ellen Road, you feel history. Don't touch that. And you can do it. You can put new seats in and you can, you know, help the sight lines and you can build luxury boxes and you can do all that, but you don't have to tear it down, right? Be sensitive to the history. Be sensitive to the grandfather who brought his son to watch Leeds and became a white man and his son, his grandson to Leeds. They can all, you know, they can all enjoy that being a, being a fan. The other thing is the product on the field. And that goes back to exactly what we just talked about. You need talent, talented, driven people in every aspect of the organization that want to move the team forward and want to move the club forward. That's your media relations people. That's your trainers. That's your strength coaches. That's your athletes. That's your coaches. That's the people that's, you know, clean the place. That's everybody that everybody that has anything to do with the organization and the shareholders of Leeds are really who they're the fans that come and pay the pounds to watch their team to buy the kit that do all of those things and you better you better service your shareholders and that's important so what represents a good return this season then do you think for for Leeds United back to the on-field stuff I I just think that we got to continue like right now in the in if if I was if I was Jesse Marsh, what I would want my team to focus on is incremental improvement. Don't be, you know, we all know that there's an end game. We all know we have to, you know, it's a bottom line business. Pro sport is a high performance industry. It's a production oriented business. I, we get that, right? But don't look at the end of the season. Look at how can we get one point this week? How can we be one and all this week? And then let's go to next week and let's work inside of that to be better as a club. And if they do that, then I think to get into the top half of the premiership, that's got to be the immediate goal. Ultimately, you, you want to win the thing, right? Because that's why you play. But the reality of it is, you know, you don't end watch, right? Let's be 1-0 and this week. Let's find a way to get one more ball in the net than whoever we're playing. Right. And then let's go on to the next. Let's evaluate it for what it was. Be truthful about where we're at with our players. He's good enough. He's not good enough. He needs this. We, we got to get him that whatever it is. And then go to next week. Learn from it. Flush it and go to next week. And I think if they can capture that mentality, which is very, very difficult in professional sport, because what we're doing right now, chopping it up like we're chopping it up, that has a tendency to do what? take everybody's focus outside of where it should be. And I think that they have to be internally focused and they have to worry about what's going on in their building and let Man U and Chelsea and Liverpool and Norwich and every other club 
that, that's their business. You have nothing. You can't control their business. You can only control what you can control. And that's what happens in Ellen Road and the practice facility and all of the other things. Hey, so there is truth in the any given Sunday speech there. It's inch by inch. Uh, uh, yeah, it is. Because that's how that's how you build something that lasts. See, I to, to me, as a, as a Leeds fan, I hope that they get in the premiership and they build it in such a way that it lasts until I'm dead, until I'm no more. You know, I'm no more. But they that but there's still I, this thing like this, the meteoric up and down and all of that. It, it kills. It kills. It kills yes, you. <laughs> we know. <laughs> well, Jeff, thanks for coming on. We really, really appreciate it, and hopefully, we can talk again um, in the future. And the roller coaster has just leveled off a little bit more, and we can have an enjoyable season after the World Cup. After the World Cup. Yeah, well, Dan, I appreciate you guys having me on. Michael, thank you so much. And and again, anytime you want to talk about those whites, baby. Next time. <laughs> I will wear my my Leeds jersey on. <laughs> it's a nice uniform. It's a nice uniform. So, um, so NFL back in the UK this weekend, um, start of October. It's uh, the two teams are Minnesota Vikings, New Orleans Saints. It's all on Sky Sports. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Aloha. The Square Ball Podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 